Welcome to the podcast of Canadian author Margaret Mackay. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Margaret Mackay. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you what's happening in the artistic community of the Durham region. I will be having interviews with various artists, whether it be writers, painters, theater people, you name it. We're going to discuss things artistic. I will also be sharing with you readings from some of my own works. Grab a cuppa, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today we're going to mix things up a bit, and I'll be reading to you from my novel, Stone Cottage. What would happen if you planned your life before you were born? How could that play out? What would that life look like? In Stone Cottage, I attempt to give you some insight into how it could play out in an individual life. I hope you enjoy the book. In the aftermath of the blinding flash, the darkness shimmered like liquid ebony. The wind ripped the leaves from the trees and tossed them aside. The rain slashed the windows of the isolated, aged stone house. Inside the dwelling, all was silent, except for the ticking of the long case clock in the foyer. The parlor, to the right of the front door, held a sofa placed in the center of the room, facing a large fireplace made of field stone. Two tall windows looked onto the lawn at the front of the house. Comfortable chairs flanked the fireside. A small table holding a glass lamp was located beside one of the chairs. A handmade throw rug covered the highly polished wooden floor in front of the hearth. An old dog lay asleep on the mat. With the shelves filled with books, the soft glow of the fire and gas lamp, and the comfortable chairs, the parlor had been warm and cozy in the gloomy night. Victoria Ann McBride, the solitary human occupant of the room, was curled up in one of the chairs, a blanket covering her and a book on her lap. A sonic boom of thunder shook the house and ricocheted around the room, breaking the spell of silence. Startled, she surged from the chair, the eiderdown and tome cascading to the floor. She had been feeling warm and drowsy under the quilt, but now realized there was nothing but cold ash left in the fireplace. The gas lamp on the table had burned out, and the room was freezing. How long had she been there? She listened as the rain scratched the window glass like the long nails of a ghostly hand, pleading to be let in out of the cold. Bringing her awareness back to the moment, she tried to remember why she was here in the parlor. Will, she had been waiting for him. He should have been home hours ago. Where was he? She rubbed her arms, hoping to bring some warmth back into them. Pacing the floor, she tried to restore the circulation in her legs. Cold, so very cold. Even though she was wearing her best flannel nightgown and had a shawl around her shoulders, she couldn't get warm. 
She felt as if she were in a dream, with no sense of the passing of time. The darkness eerie and menacing. Even the familiar surroundings seemed off somehow, but her foggy brain couldn't place what was wrong. As the woman stirred, the dog raised his head to look at her. She smiled at him, her faithful companion. As long as she had Thor beside her, some of the foreboding she felt slithered back into the shadows. Another loud crack of thunder made her jump again. The awareness of how alone she was increased as apprehension undulated up and down her spine. She pulled the shawl tighter across her shoulders. Come on, Thor, she said. Let's go see if Will's light is in the barn. He got up from his comfortable place and padded across to where the woman stood. Victoria reached down and patted his ancient head. He looked up at her, tail thumping the floor. Licking her hand, he nudged his head against her leg. Dog and woman walked to the windows and peered out at the storm. The cacophony of the moaning wind and lashing rain concealed any sound of a horse's hooves. She could see nothing except the murky fog. No light. No will. Where are you? Her anxiety escalated to new heights. Her baby girl was asleep upstairs, but she seemed to have been sleeping for a long time. Was Maddie sick? Victoria knew there was something important about the baby that she had to explain to Will, but she couldn't quite remember what it was. She needed her husband to come home and take her in his arms and tell her everything would be all right. Panic, like a bird's wings trapped by the cage of her ribs, fluttered in her chest. She leaned her head against the cold glass and clenched her fists. Taking deep breaths to try and calm herself, she flattened her hands on the window. He's fine, she said. I know it. Oh, Will, where are you? I need you so much. Please, please come home. Everything will be all right once you get here. Tears coursed down her cheeks. The old dog, sensing her unease, leaned into her leg and began to whine. Absent-mindedly, she reached down to stroke his head. She would just wait. Wait for as long as it took for Will to come home. Wait, wait, wait. Her mind chanted to the ticking clock in the hall. Tick, talk, tick, talk. Tick. Rebecca jolted awake, every nerve ending on fire and screaming in panic. Icy sweat poured down her. Her heart was pounding so fast, it felt like it would explode. She tried to take a deep breath, but couldn't. Absolute terror consumed her mind and body, causing her to shake uncontrollably. The urge to run pulsated through her body and it took everything in her not to cry out. Gradually, she became aware of her surroundings and the palpitations slowed. 
Breathe, she told herself. Finally, she was able to take one lungful of air. Then another. Her breathing and her heart settled into a normal rhythm. Waking up in a full-blown panic attack was the worst feeling in the world. When the attacks had started over a year ago, she'd been terrified of going to sleep for fear that either she wouldn't wake up at all, or she would, but in the midst of an attack episode. Oh, God, she muttered to herself, tears slipping from her eyes and following the now familiar path down her cheeks. Hot, seething anger consumed her. No, damn it! I'm not going there again. I won't! I won't! I won't! she chanted while pounding her pillow. She sat up and put her head in her hands. So frustrating! It had been months since her last attack. Her life was getting back on track. As a senior executive in the company her great-great-grandfather founded, she was eager to make up for the time lost while ill. Now, she realized, the darkness was always hovering in the shadows, ready to pounce. This morning was a reminder of how debilitating and draining an episode could be. Wearily, she pushed herself into a standing position. The room morphed into a topsy-turvy landscape that threw her completely off balance. Reaching for the bedpost to gain her equilibrium, she hung on tightly while the room righted itself. What the hell? Oh, God, I'm going to be sick. Her mouth was bone dry. The ensuite appeared to be at the end of a long tunnel. I can do this. I can do this, she recited over and over. Feeling like the hooves of a Clydesdale horse had attached themselves to the end of her legs, she pushed away from the bedpost and shuffled forward. With fierce concentration, Rebecca made it to the bathroom and turned on the light. Swishing out her mouth with cold water, then opening the medicine cabinet, she took out the lorazepam. Holding back the tears that threatened to overwhelm, she swallowed a tablet. Thank God for the meds. I'm fine. Just a minor setback. Stripping off her soaked nightgown, she turned on the shower and stepped in. Warm water cascaded down her body. Rebecca let the discouragement and fatigue flow down the drain with it. The fragrance of her shampoo enveloped her, bringing back memories of a time when she was full of life and looking forward to each day. After drying off, Rebecca slipped into her jeans, favorite t-shirt, and a pair of low-heeled shoes and thought about what she wanted to do. A soft spring breeze wafted into the bedroom to caress her nostrils with a bouquet of lilacs and new-mown grass. It was a beautiful day. A few clouds like cotton batten spread across an azure sky. The birds chattered to each other, busy with their early morning chores. 
Feeling the meds kick in, she thought about going for a drive. Before her illness, climbing behind the wheel of her car, pedal to the metal, feeling the wind on her face gave her such a rush. Exploring backcountry roads, looking for treasures, was one of her favorite things to do. Now, not so much. Driving had been one of the first things to go after the panic attacks began. Recently, though, she'd been practicing to get back into the swing of handling her Porsche Spider, and much of her confidence had returned. She thought back to the first car that she had loved. It had been a sparkling red BMW Z3 convertible roadster with deep leather white upholstery that her father had gifted to her when she went off to McGill for her MBA. Remembering that vehicle, she thought about her dad and their special relationship. Ah, Daddy, I love you so much. You'll never know what you mean to me and how I miss you. I've always felt safe and loved with you in my life. That car had been so much fun. Reminiscing about the times that she and Sissy would take off on their own, Rebecca laughed. The two of them. No destination in mind. Cruising along, singing at the top of their lungs, and enjoying the freedom she'd always felt behind the wheel of a car. Longing for some of that freedom, for the last couple of months she'd been tossing around the idea of finding a cottage or cabin of her own where she could find solitude. Right now, everyone in her circle was so worried. She felt smothered. I love everyone, but I need to get away where no one is hovering, afraid that I'll splinter at the slightest provocation. Snapping out of her reverie, she determined that's what she would do. Go for a long drive and see what was for sale. With her heart feeling a little lighter, she skipped down the stairs to the kitchen. Mrs. Brown, I'm going out for a little while. It's such a lovely day. I'm going for a drive. That's wonderful, Miss Wainwright. Some fresh air will do you good. Enjoy yourself and I'll let Mr. Conacher know if he should come home before you've returned. Thank you. Tell David I have my cell. I should be home for supper. Stopping in the front hallway to get her purse and keys, she glanced in the mirror. The woman looking back was beginning to resemble her old self. Smiling, she headed out the front door. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you'll come back and visit us again sometime. To contact Magrit, email her at magrit.makai at gmail.com. That's M-A-I-G-H-R-E-A-D dot M-A-C-K-A-Y at gmail.com.